Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Welcome. We're on, Gary. We're on. <laughs> You're kidding. We're on? Yeah, we're on. Go. Oh, my God. We've been on for eight seconds, nine seconds, ten seconds. Go. You got to okay. do the thing. Oh, my God. It is Sunday. It is Seventh Avenue in Ybor City where it all began. And it is time to jump into the road. That was that, about as smooth as uh I just I I just threw Gary. Gary just showed up and I just threw him in here and he has no idea what's happening. <laughs> right. I I don't even know what to do now. I don't I, know. I know exactly what's happening. <laughs> what's happening? The sun is uh in this guy and uh I'm here. <laughs> Marijuana in the heart. Okay. Marijuana in my soul. Whoa, 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 whoa! Our lives are so <laughs> our lives are so crazy right now. Oh, let's introduce ourselves because we have to back up on that. Uh huh. Uh-huh, hey, I'm your political director, son of Suncoast Normal, Gary Stein, along with my deputy director, now the now beardless for some uh, unknown reason. I, you know, <laughs> I I was doing PR this week. I had to look good for the cameras. Her. Mm. What? You're doing per. I said per? You're doing PR. PR? Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I, always, I, always, I knew you were Puerto Rican, Pedro. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I'm going to start making Jewish jokes. People are going to think I'm anti-Semitic. And I'm just, I, I just, you know what? I'm I'm going to raise above it, Gary. That and might I am one. not going to do Jew jokes with you. I'm going to do Gary Stein jokes, all right? I'm going to do very specific jokes only for Gary's side. But that is by nature Jewish jokes. I don't know. I think I can pull it off. And above the beltway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over in the DFC, which hopefully will be uh, having new cannabis laws very, very soon from what I understand. We have our executive director, Chris Kano. Chris, what is going on in D.C. right now in regards to their new laws? Oh, well, you know, there's some back and forth uh, in regards to, you know, getting the adult use and retail sales set up. You know, the gray market wants their opportunity to really get a hold of this, uh, this, you know, this chance to, to, you know, do right to to get into an adult use market um, where so often we've seen in other states where, you know, uh, the the traditional legacy market has never really got the opportunity to transition into a legal adult use market, Uh, much in the same way we see Florida with vertical integration and and we see a closed off market. So, um, you know, it's still pending here to see what's going to shake out. But uh, over the next few weeks, it'll be interesting to see if D.C. moves forward with uh, adult retail sales. Yeah, that is what's really going to be interesting. Now, we have 
we, we are trying to, I guess, transition here in Florida, but it will be a, a long and slow and possibly even painful transition. I'm happy you said that. I'm so we're at the beginning of a very long and slow and possibly tran- painful transition. That's my two cents. Now we have the opportunity to see how to do it wrong by looking at other states. We have had other states that have had their medical market totally cannibalized by the by the adult use market. Mm-hmm. To the point Washington where, State, yeah, Everglades yeah, Washington State, State where, where patients really did end up suffering from that because the the prices they used to enjoy, the products they used to enjoy, that are that is gone in favor of a recreational market, as, as they call it. Now, you know, I've I've said so many times, recreational is not really the word we should be using, but we're kind of stuck with it. Uh, originally, it was started in California, basically to to stop from uh, ha- having a fully legal market because the word recreational is often used for, for opiates and and and, uh, and other uh, drugs. And so, by saying recreational, it actually downgraded the the product itself to something far more legal, far far more illicit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and we we talked a lot about this topic uh, last week, and like to sum that up, actually, I really feel like. Per our conversation last week, there's two schools of thought that will ensure that the medical uh, patients still have a, you know, the ability to get their medicine, right? And I, th- I really do feel like there's a, and as it always is between me and Gary, like Gar- Gary, I feel like you feel it like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I am talking for you, um, but like, you, do you feel? Oh, I, I jumped the gun. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say what I feel first. All right, so I feel. Like, uh, the best way to do this is lack of regulation, right? Just let everybody grow fucking marijuana. Let let the market set the price, right? Uh, fucking, like, really let competition get into play, right? The problem, I feel, is that there was that that there's too much regulation in an adult use market which allows for people to take advantage of medical patients, right? And I feel that you feel that more regulation should be put in place, that there should be regulations put in place to ensure that we protect the medical patients. No, it's not what I prefer. It's what the market seems to uh, demand because of the fact that we have a political system which is already in place, which is already putting all these regulations in place, and you can't just erase them because they're already codified in the law and in some cases into constitutional law, and in which case we have... uh, issue on our hands in regards to how to fix this thing. Uh, I've often said before, politics got us into this prohibition, and unfortunately, it'll have to be politics that gets us out. But that is creating issues right now as we stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are people who are involved heavily in the lobbying across the country, including the good folks from the, uh, the uh, Marijuana Policy Project, who run the United States uh, Cannabis Coalition, who, also, who, who have these big players, these uh, people who who joined for a mere $10,000 or whatever it is is their, their, their minimal uh, fee. A lot more than $25 that we charge for Suncoast Normal, by the way. <laughs> and uh, they are actually pushing for more corporate cannabis. And that is, that is where it, it is going crazy. on their part. That's crazy in my opinion. And that they are welcoming in the, uh, the big players, you know, the cannabis, the, the tobacco companies, the alcohol companies, the cereal companies, the gas companies, whoever else wants to get involved in there that have a ton of money, because as you notice, from the out. very beginning here in Florida, the people who got the who had the cash were the ones to start this, and not the people who had the passion. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, 
I think Florida was. I I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but the the Are there dead horses out there. The the total uh, the actual, you know, like I, I'm gonna go back to my point about that we need less regulation in cannabis because I mean that I feel like there's supporting data in my in my favor here. Um, part of which is how Florida was instituted. Like there was a highly regulated uh, uh, application process. Yep. Right, that fucking was manipulated by the Department of Health. I'm gonna go ahead and fucking point fingers at them. The Office of Medical Marijuana Use, fucking handpicked, you know yep. the 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 people with the money, the people that fucking, you know, gave them cash to give them fucking licenses. I'm gonna go ahead and say that there's these pending FBI investigations, or I guess they were solved recently, and they fucking arrested uh, the husband. Um, of the head of that company, uh, I don't know if I'm saying too much. That would fucking Kim Kim Rivers' husband was arrested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought we were going to name names, JT Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's out there. It's fucking pu- public it, it, facts. It is, it is out there. Like it's not. It's not like it's like anything like. You know, not a secret when you get convicted of a federal crime. <laughs> that's a fact. That happened. The fucking husband, JT Burnett was caught by the FBI manipulating Florida's medical marijuana process. Actually, he was caught manipulating the, uh, the, the government in Tallahassee by giving bribes to uh, City Councilman Scott Maddox, and also uh, mayor over there, mm-hmm. uh, to get certain uh, real, uh, real estate products projects done because he was in the process of rebuilding things like uh, the, uh, the Edison and a couple other places that were, were big over in Tallahassee. And within the scope of that situation, uh, his childhood friend, uh, Ms. Thad Bashirs, who was uh, cousins of uh, Halsey Bashirs, who was in charge of the Department of Regulated Businesses over here in in, uh, in, in Florida, uh, got together at the very last moment and they changed the uh, the concept of how a cannabis co- company could qualify, and they threw in a thirty year requirement, as well as that five million dollar performance bond, which basically took all the uh, possibilities away from so many so many people to get involved in the industry because a lot of nurseries are not 30 years old except for a few legacy markets and they were almost exclusively of um i would say white ancestry mm. that that would involve that, that, that yes of, some of them actually had their names on the counties that they li- they lived in that kind of thing so to yeah. sum it up gary florida's uh medical marijuana system is you qualify through uh racist classism Exactly. Now mm-hmm. we, we we were kind of touching on this last week, and uh, and that was actually manipulated by uh, the people that own the that that have the biggest fucking dispensary in Florida. And when JT was, was actually being investigated by the FBI, he he said the quiet part out loud, so to speak, and mentioned the fact that uh, they were doing that they were doing that manipulation, which many of us knew about it, but no of us really were saying anything about oh, yeah, it because we, we wanted the industry kinda... to go forward. We we realized this is not the perfect way, but we figured it was a way, and just to give them give them their what their path, that that we would eventually get a market that everybody would become involved in. But is this an inclusive market? That is the big question. As of right now, no, it is not. Right right now, we have uh, basically the, the first five were people who actually had all that money and all that backing, and the question is, are the people who are going to be getting into it in the future going to be of the same ilk? 
or will there be a different class of people who are getting involved in the market right now? Right? I just, uh, fucking, I just want to be a part of it. I want Carlos Ramita, his class in social standing right now, right? Me, you know, uh, just humble owner of one store here over at Chillum. <laughs> um, fucking, uh, I want to be able to open up a dispensary and I don't want to grow it. I don't want to fucking grow it. I don't want to fucking process it. I want to buy from people that grow it and process it. I just want to sell it. That's I mean, all I want to do. Let's talk about this, right? this vertical integration thing. I mean, it does, it does happen all across the country. I mean, Colorado has a lot as vertical licenses and things of that sort, but it is a very difficult thing to do when it takes a lot of money, a lot of organization. And usually it takes corporate folks to come in and give their, their talent and treasure, so to speak, to actually make it happen because it is so difficult. Yeah. And that means that people often are, are just shut out of the project the process because they really can't do the the, uh, the vertical thing. Now, imagine if you wanted to grow, wanted to sell cookies, and you had to be, and I'm not using the word cookies because of the fact that that is a dispensary coming here in Florida that is also in California and Colorado, et cetera, et cetera. But say, for instance, you want to grow crackers. You want to sell crackers, for instance. Whoa, Gary. Okay. And which we have plenty of floor of in Florida, but that's a different word altogether. But the fact is, <laughs> we say you want to go ahead and help that product out in the market, and you're told, okay, but first thing you have to do, you have to grow your own flour, you have to make your own cheese for the cheese at dust, you have to go ahead and you have to build the entire product yourself, package it yourself, only sell it in your state at kiosks that you own, and nobody else can sell it but you. How far are you going to get with your product? It would be very, very difficult. You can't sell nationwide. You can't travel it. You can't take this product from state to state. And so we have a situation where you have to have a large, mar a, a large uh, market in one state to be able to survive. I was surprised there were so many people who actually were, were actually applying back in 2014 because at the time you had only the, the low THC products that were even allowed. And the entire market for the entire state was about 20,000 people, which would not have been enough to sustain uh, any of those huge companies that got involved that had, had to have a $5 million performance bond to get into a market that only had 20,000 people in it. There was no break-even point for those people until the market evolved to the next level. Well, they were fucking smart. They, I don't know, they had the fucking intuition to think that they were going to be grandfathered into the medical marijuana system, to the THC system. I mean, I mean, was it really luck on their part that, I, well, like, man, that they, they survived or was it already planned in place that they would evolve with the market and they would get involved? I think some people were anticipating it. And I think the people that are in the market now were the ones that at least, at least the ones that knew that they would get grandfathered in. I mean, here we have, you, you happen to mention True Leave. Now, most likely one of the largest cannabis companies in the country right now Yeah, that, that started here from a point where even JT Burnett had admitted to the FBI, they had no idea how to grow cannabis or how to sell cannabis or how to package cannabis, but they were going to figure it out along the way because they wanted to get involved in the industry because they knew it was going to be amazingly productive. And he, as JT uh, said, these licenses are going to be fucking valuable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is basically how what they much, are. How much, uh, were those licenses that the for was it that how much were those licenses the privately sold ones 
they oh, have ranged and it, I think the lowest one that was like tw like 28 30 million dollars the highest one now is at 213 million what really yeah. I didn't even think it was yeah that and that that was uh, one plant formerly three boys uh, who, who was bought and sold by Soul Scythian and a bunch of other companies and recently sold to Cresco uh, for well, yeah, yeah, for, for $213 million in stock. And so it, it moves forward as, as a gigantic company, uh, although all the, all the original players are essentially gone at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But somebody is making a ton of money just out of the, the change of, of ownership going forward and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And the question is, all these what they call MSOs or multi-state organizations they're slowly creeping into the business here in Florida, and one by one, each of the each of the companies, which were supposedly supposed to be just Florida companies, are now basically part of this multi-state organization. Although, with a multi-state organization, when you can't when you have to have state laws and you can't have product going across state lines, obviously it makes it a bit difficult because each company has to be essentially its own company within its own state. So these things are going to change when we do get federal legalization. And Chris, what have we gotten new this week in regards to federal legalization? What has changed? Well, this week, a Republican representative introduced legislation to repeal federal marijuana prohibition. Uh, Nancy Mace, who's a Republican uh, from the House of Representatives in uh, South Carolina, introduced the state's reform act. And this is a comprehensive bill that repeals the federal prohibition of marijuana, expunges federal nonviolent marijuana crimes, promotes local ownership in the emergency regulated industry, and places certain restrictions on advertising of regulated cannabis products, among other reforms. And, you know, this is something that deserves serious consideration. Uh, there's an opportunity here, um, you know, to actually push marijuana uh, through on a bipartisan basis. Uh, it has been difficult at times, depending on who's in power, um, to push things. We've only seen federal uh, prohibition uh, legislation move forward under Democratic leadership. And so the fact that there's you know, some Republicans stepping up to the plate uh, to, to help push this through Congress uh, could actually, you know, prohibition could see its days numbered. So we'll see in all in all um, how it all shakes out. But, um, you know, shout out to Representative Mace, who also is the first uh, woman to graduate from the Citadel, uh, which if, if you know anything about military colleges, uh, that is one of the toughest military colleges uh, in the entire country. Thanks for explaining yeah. that, because I thought it was like Rick and Morty thing. <laughs> no, not the <laughs> Citadel of Ricks. But, but the fact that um, you have someone here who's a trailblazer stepping up to the plate and then it's coming from a state like South Carolina, which is really still a holdout of the Old South. I mean, when we go to these national normal conferences and I talk to the folks in South Carolina and North Carolina, uh, I feel bad in many ways uh, for them because we in Florida take for granted the fact that we, the people, have the opportunity to amend our Constitution. In some of those other uh, states in the Deep South, they have no constitutional recourse. They're, they're at the uh, whims of their elected officials. And so that, that's, that's something that we in Florida, Ed, you know, for the time being, our legislators making it harder to get things on the ballot. They're making it harder for us to pass constitutional amendments. And even when they do, they still screw the pooch on the implementation bills, which is what we saw here in Florida in 2017 you know for years we fought 
to get medical marijuana reality. I remember first signing on this campaign in 2009 uh, when it was Puffum, People United for Medical Marijuana. And I, I recall the petition that went out and I was like, yes, I was running for state house at the time. Uh, my mom was battling breast cancer. And, and I, I remember my dad's cousin having to go out and, you know, uh, you know, sneak her uh, an ounce to, to, you know, help her, uh, you know, with her symptoms from the chemo. And it, it was definitely a tough time for my family. And then to, after my mom beat the cancer, my dad was diagnosed with dementia in 2010. And um, today would have been his 65th birthday. And, you know, he fought, the doctors gave him six months to live and, and he fought for seven years. Um, my mom uh, was an amazing nurse, still is an amazing nurse, and she helped care for him. And to see that man in that picture there in, in 2010 um, to where you may have seen some of the videos on our YouTube channel of him towards the end of his life, um, struggling to talk, um, not hearing his voice anymore, being bedridden, and seeing that RSO actually helped his symptoms. I remember the first time I gave him a dose of RSO, um, he hadn't talked in two years and he started just spitting out words. And it was just amazing to see the, the impact on the human brain and what uh, high grade cannabis can do. And that's when I knew we had to double down in this fight. And that's why I became an organizer for United for Care in 2015. And trust me, that was a job that paid absolutely jack shit. Ben Palera might have got his his paycheck, but they were paying the, the, the regional organizers 400 bucks every two weeks to work 16-hour days out there getting petitions. And, I mean, I remember this summer of 2015, even damn near going into a heat stroke, uh, being out there in front of Comic-Con, uh, in, in, you know, in the, in the hottest part of July, uh, on my own birthday, as a matter of fact, just trying to push this through because I knew this is the medicine that my dad needed. And sadly, he passed away in January of 2017, and, and he never got the opportunity to take place as a legal patient in this market. I mean, the, the legislature didn't even get the implementation done until a special session in the summer of 2017. And, you know, the night before his funeral, I was thinking about walking away from all this, walking away from normal, walking away from, from fighting for justice, and just, you know, being content to, to, to just give it all up, live a quiet life. Because uh, I felt like I was done fighting. I didn't have anything else to fight for. And that night, as I'm sitting there putting together photos uh, for a collage for, for his services the next day, I get a phone call to our, our hotline at Normal. And it was a young USF kid who had just gotten pulled over uh, the earlier that night or the night before by Campus PD. And he was worried about getting kicked out of school because, you know, he had a joint in the car. And his name was Charlie. And that was the nickname that everybody called my dad. And so for me, I know Carlos, you're a stone cold atheist, man. I mean, information will do that to you. But I found providence in that. I found that as a sign that we needed to keep fighting because there were so many more Charlies out there and so many more families who need people to step up and, and be there for them, to fight and be the voice when they can't talk. And that's what we do here at Suncoast Normal, is that we're a civil rights organization speaking up for patients. We're calling out corruption where we see it. We're calling out politicians who are failing to abide by and live by the oaths that in the constitutions that they swear to protect. 
And so I'm asking each and every one of you to double down in this fight and let's bury prohibition where it belongs so that no family ever has to go through uh, the, the the shame of an arrest, the, the legal bills that come with it, uh, having to, to be embarrass yourself in front of court and say, I have an addiction to marijuana just so you can get your record clean and your record is <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Somebody coerced. You know, have you seen the, 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 you know, how, how, what was it? Yeah, it was, what was it? Half baked. And Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. goes into rehab and he goes, I'm here because I'm addicted to marijuana. And Bob Saget stands up and goes, Oh, yeah. You ever sucked a dick from marijuana? <laughs> you don't have an addiction it's to marijuana. Like, it's like, I used to suck dick for Coke. Exactly. It's like, I seen him. <laughs> so I want you all to realize the absurdity that we have in our laws, the injustice, and we've covered time and time again the history and the racism and the corruption and the classism behind our marijuana prohibition. And we're going to continue to fight to knock that down because we know for a fact that these laws were created to attack people, to attack Americans, and it's not right. And it's time that we stood together as Americans in a country that is so divided. We know that this is one of the few issues where Republicans and Democrats agree. Marijuana should not be illegal and people should not be going to jail for using it, especially during the fact that it helps them live healthy and productive lives. Amen. And yet there, there, there are still roadblocks to this day. Even though we have laws that make it legal here in Florida and across the country, there are still roadblocks. If you go to the normal website and you go state by state, you will still see laws in place and punishment levels in place for how much you, you are going to go to jail or how much what, what kind of fine you're going to pay if you're caught with any particular amount of cannabis or especially concentrate. Yeah. So we have a lot to do. We have a lot to, to, to fix. Right now here in Florida, if you have a medical card, you can, you can use it at your home, but God forbid you should go to the hospital. They, were, they are going to take your medicine away from you and tell you that they are going to give you the medicine that ph- Big Pharma wants to give you, and the stuff that may be working for you has to be tossed aside. And that is what, ha- what is currently happening right now, and that is why we developed the, uh, the Patient Protection Act, which was recently filed by Brandis here in Florida, to make certain that People do have access to the medicine if they're in an institution, whether in a hospital or they're in an assisted living facility. And God's sakes, I mean, Chris, you, you have had friends that have had, had to deal with this. Having a medical card sometimes means they take you off the transplant list. And that can be a life or death decision on their part that, that you're not, not being allowed to make. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, this whole boogeyman that we have with cannabis um, the reason it's changed so much is because people were able to latch on to CBD and hemp and point to show something that that is not the THC boogeyman. But an interesting study came out this week uh, out of Australia, and it's from the Journal of Neuroscience and Behavioral Reviews. And the analysis is that THC concentrations in your blood and your oral fluid are not indicative of impairment of performance. You know, we um, we have these um, laws, you know, that say impaired drivers, um, you know, shouldn't be, you know, operating heavy machinery. That makes total sense in a lot of ways. But there are limits in certain states. There, there's there's limits of THC in the blood. And many uh, there are uh, 11 states that have a zero tolerance uh, of any amount of THC, Arizona, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, 
Iowa, Michigan, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Utah, and Wisconsin. So if you, if you get pulled over and you have any type of THC in your blood in those states, you're going to jail. And in, in the studies show that, you know, having THC in your blood, even the metabolites from, from, from edibles, um, it does not impair you. And yeah. yeah. Well, from a, from a legal standpoint, you have to have a black and white situation in order to properly enforce the law. You have to have a zero tolerance point in order mm. to be able to, to mm. say this person must be under arrest and there will be no debate. Because there if you, you say, Gary, you said it right there. That was so American, a black and white point, because that's exactly <laughs> what it is about. Yeah, remember I say binary American. as opposed Dang. to non-binary? Uh, yeah. When it comes to criminal justice, you've uh, got to have a black and white point in order to figure out where exactly the crime is committed. Yeah, because if they say uh, 10 nanograms per milliliter, I am of very cannabis, uncomfortable that is, right now. That's debatable. And when, <laughs> when there's debate, then there's, then there's questionable in, re, in regards to whether or not the, 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 uh, the arrest was, was legitimate. Well, I mean, it's pretty black and white that the studies show that there's, there, you, you're not impaired when you're operating heavy machinery with marijuana. I drive better high. If you've been in the car with me sober, you know I suck at driving. What's the fucking the the joke? It's like potheads wait at stop signs for them to turn green or something. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what do you want to do, Gary? You want me to do my review thing first, or you want to do moment? No, of by parody? all means, I am. I have been dying Are to you, see one of your you private have, project do, reviews. Do you have uh, anything for moment of clarity right now? <laughs> I am so well prepared. I actually woke up this morning. All right, <laughs> so here is the first ever, whatever this is. Is that how you spell scrutiny? It is now. It is? Is that not how you spell scrutiny? <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny you your, your, your chance to misspell something on cue. Did I, did I really misspell it? I, I wouldn't doubt it. I'm looking at it now, and I think I misspelled it. Chillum has a wide variety of products. This is just one that you can get here in Chillum, and this is going to be Carlos's review of one such product. Thanks, If, if, he, can, if he can get it out of the box. You know, I, I'm segueing totally, for you. I'm totally going to, to do the first part of Moment of Clarity from now on. All right, so uh, this is one of the newest cannabinoid products. You ever hear about this little ditty, Mr. Gary Stein? I heard about that yesterday, actually, on your blog. On my blog. Did you read the the, the updated one that has the right information on it? Okay. Because apparently... So, so you misinformed me on I purpose? Mis I misinformed a little bit on the blog a little bit. Um, so this is a disposable vaping product. Right, it's by a company called uh, um, what do you call this? Uh, it was formerly called Effects, but now it's called Extracts Delta yeah. Extracts. And this is like the um, the Crisco of cannabis. I I am gonna be honest with you. As far as my opinion about this company, right? Um, this company, it's it's really hard for me to be new and compelling in the hemp industry and not have this company on my shelf. However, the hardware from this company, I'm already the bias I already have. I think the hardware is kind of kind of shitty, like the mechanics of their products, like they use kind of like shitty, shitty vaping mechanics. So their product but, is so expensive just for the product itself that they they skimped on the, uh, the hardware. This is HHC. You ever heard of that? HHC as in hydrogenated hydrocarbons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I am impressed, Gary. This is hydrogenated. THC. Kind of like the way margarine is versus oil. 
Yes, yes, vegetable oil, all that stuff. It's almost like you re- you totally read my blog. <laughs> so this is how um, I prepare. I read your blog. So uh, HHC, it's uh, the the cool thing about this, and I, you're not. It, there's a huge liability in saying this, but um, the the uh, do I do a, a, a uh, disclaimer at the beginning? This is uh, said. You know, it's very anecdotal at this point because this thing is so new. But this is uh, said yes. to uh, be able to get you high just as much as THC can. But you can, you can still pass a drug test. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to test this out for passing a drug test because I'm going to fail a drug test if I take a drug test right now because I got a lot of THC in my system. But I can tell you if this gets me any higher than I am right now. So we need to find somebody who has absolutely nothing in their system right now, which is nobody in this store, I do believe. You you smoked on the way here? Is that why you were late this morning? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. You want to hit this? That's not what I'm saying. You don't want to hit this? I have no <laughs> idea what it's going to do for me. Though I got to tell you. It's it, purple it, punch. It, I can tell you right now this I can shit smell is it. delicious. It smells like a, like a fruit bowl. It is delicious. It is very fruity. It is very tasty. I don't know if I'm, I was already high when I started this segment, so I'm not. Well, I'm that not really sure. isn't going to give us a very good indication as to as to what the the definite effects are. But then again, I I, I do I agree with the more less less Timothy Leary kind of uh, <coughs> testing to see how things go. <coughs> it it definitely tastes mm. like fruit. Yo, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just got very lightheaded. Uh-huh. Well, that was to the lack of oxygen. Yeah, that was probably it. See, so those of us who who back in the day were were, were using the the, uh, <coughs> the the rush coppers and uh, oh. and the, and the nitrous balloons. It was basically a lack of oxygen, uh, and as opposed to more just the substitution of the nitrogen. But definitely, it it helps to be able to have some oxygen with your product. Oh shit! I'm going to read something I just read on the package. Is it it a disclaimer or a warning? It is a warning, right? Do not read this note. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should have read this before we we smoke this. Um, So I'm going to hit it before I read it. So the effects of HHC products may be delayed up to two hours. HHC use while pregnant or breastfeeding may be harmful. Consumption of HHC product impairs your ability to operate machinery. Please use extreme caution. My problem, I I have no problem with any part of that disclaimer, especially on a cannabinoid product. But the first part, two-hour delay. So, like, that was totally, like, when I got lightheaded before, that was entirely fucking lack of oxygen. I don't feel high right now at all. Do you feel any higher? Not at all. You wanna now? The, now the important thing. Give, me, give me a minute on that one. You don't want to hit it anymore. <laughs> after after the show, I'll, it doesn't doesn't go with my coffee. Could light you to have all the fruit punch in my mouth. But uh, I like that my segment's going to be shorter than everybody else's. Because <laughs> 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 that's it. That's all I got. I'm just well, the interesting thing about it, hit a vape and be like, it's good. It's fucking good. <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> There you go. It, it, it basically two words uh, uh, rating everything. It, it's fucking good or it fucking sucks. <laughs> I, I think that is probably a, a fair assumption. It, don't forget also that it does have that thing about pregnancy in there because everything FDA, according to them, 
has to be has to have that kind of warning in there until they can be certain that it is safe for people with, with pregnancies. Yeah, they always have to err on, on the side of caution as far as that's concerned. And that does bring me to an, an actual bill that was filed this last week uh, by, is by this, Chris Latvala. Let's just call this moment of clarity then. Okay. Yeah, the graphics just chased Kano away. I missed him, and he came back. And, <laughs> yeah, okay, that. well, here's the deal. This last week, uh, Chris Latvala from St. Petersburg uh, went ahead and filed a an appropriation bill for the drug-free America folks to give them $241,000 to do a study <clears throat> on the dangers of cannabis and pregnancy. Yeah, this is a a big topic actually. It's always oh, a sort of subject. There's there's a fucking hold hold on before we we talk about this subject, right? Let's just there's a huge liability in talking about it. And Kano left again. God damn it! Uh, there's a huge <laughs> liability in talking about this subject. I'm sorry. Lady, I'm sorry. I'm I got you the center say. of attention, brother. You you got the mic. You got the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's a huge uh, all i gotta say is there's a huge liability in talking talking about like introducing chemicals any chemicals well no matter what even safe chemicals right fucking a bottle of water company fucking there's a huge liability in fucking putting a bottle of water in the hands of a pregnant woman and all of a sudden she gets sick there's a huge liability there huge it depends where the water comes from I don't know. That thing's got weird. Well, yeah, I guarantee you that if you get a bottle of water from Lake Okeechobee right now, number one, it'll be it'll it'll be green, uh, but also in fact, you really don't know what's inside of it right now, so it, it can get dangerous. What, what a pregnant woman comes to your house, asks for a glass of water, you give her a glass of tap water, she's like, "Ugh, this tastes weird," uh, and then all of a sudden she has a miscarriage. You're fucking liable, dude. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, you're fucking liable. I mean, you're liable. You, I mean, causality is not necessarily <laughs> the correlation there. But, uh, but okay, so not to get. I'm sorry, Kendall. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, Carlos, you, your your fears are, are are you know well founded. I mean, you know, we got BPA leaking into our plastic water bottles. You got yeah. uh, the city of Tampa is you know sometimes it treats with fluoride and bleach. It's tap water. Sometimes it doesn't treat it at all. You know, sometimes they dump wastewater into our water supply. So, I mean, they find more cocaine and pills in our water supply than people are actually taking these days. So you're right. Like there is, you know, if you have a, a pregnant relative, uh, there's so much danger out in the environment. You know, it, it's scary uh, to think about. And, 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 you know, as a homeowner, you're right. <laughs> you know, you, you hand someone a glass of water and you, you hope it's not their last sip. And it's very responsible, very responsible for this company to put that on the product, even if it doesn't do anything for pregnant women. So to get deeper into the subject, there are studies, that, especially in Jamaica, that fucking show that uh, that there's nothing wrong with uh, pregnant women consuming cannabis. That's right. That was, that was a study. It was originally started in the 1960s and followed these kids for 17 years. And they found that uh, the, the group that Used whose mother used cannabis during pregnancy actually thrived more than the children who did not. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're talking about Jamaica. It was actually hard to find <coughs> a control group that was not using cannabis at that point in time to be able to compare the two. 
uh, and we're not really certain about the actual health of the people who were not using cannabis in the first place. Yeah. Were, were the cadre that was using cannabis also using some other uh, ethic medicines? You know, it, it is hard to say. But at that point in time, they did notice the fact that there was no deleterious effect in the group that used cannabis. No, in fact, I mean, those kids had better reaction times, better motor skills for, for youth in their groups. They were ranking in the top. So, you know, um, we're not saying that cannabis is an enhancing drug, but th there are studies and indications there that, that clearly look. We, we've time and time again said that, you know, cannabis's job, the, the, the entourage effect is to create homeostasis within the body's immune system. Mm hmm. And if that's the case, then technically, when you're smoking weed, you're ingesting vitamins. And, and let's let's that kind of segues me segues me into a point that I want to make and to, to kind of tell you guys a story. I had a friend in graduate school that got pregnant. There you go, Gary. Good, good for you. Pick that. I, I am looking at the at the um, device. You hit it. It's more. It takes two hours. Um, so uh, I had a friend in graduate school, right, that I've loosely kept in contact with. And, you know, she knows about my, my cannabis activism um, and uh, she reached out to me because she she had had a baby and um, she she wanted to 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 know if she could use cannabis for the pain for breastfeeding. Apparently, you know, I'm a guy, so I'm not I, I don't really know too much about it, but apparently shit hurts like a motherfucker. So. <laughs> Uh, and I asked her real quick, you know, I told her I was trying to be responsible. I was like, I don't really know, but let me ask some people. Let me look up some studies. Let me do some research. Right. And I was like, hey, real quick, let me ask you, have you told the doctor that you, you, you need some pain relief for that? And did he give you any medicine? And he was like, yeah, he gave me Vicodin. So this woman's taking Vicodin and breastfeeding her child. Right. And I told her right away, I was like, you know what? Stop taking the Vicodin stop, start smoking pot. I have no problem with that now. <laughs> but come to find out a mother fucking gives her kids breast cannabinoids when she's breastfeeding that's I'm right sorry, because, no no but the, the cannabinoids are in breast milk there's no doubt about it because it's all part of the natural na nature things now i grew up in the early 60s and the early spock days when they were basically giving out formula things of that sort so i wasn't breastfed so i had to catch up you know quite a bit later on in life with, with that uh -huh. in order to get get healthier so that's what i did Wait. but um what I blame my mother for that one. How did you catch up by smoking weed? No, by breastfeeding more. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> no, no, I have to explain this all to you. I don't know. You could have supplemented it by just smoking pot. <laughs> Look, I had three kids. You know, <laughs> the, the wife had a lot left over. Anyways, oh, Gary, too much. Uh, I was doing it for my health. Indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Well, you know, something else that uh, folks are doing for their health, in particular the health of the economy, is employers are dropping drug testing as a requirement to attract workers. Um, you know, most recently they polled over 45,000 employers in North America and Europe, and 9% acknowledged they had eliminated job screenings or drug tests as a way to keep or attract their employees. And most recently, one of the largest employers in, in the world, Amazon, is no longer engaged in pre-employment marijuana screenings, uh, except for ones that are in federally regulated positions that mandate drug testing. And, you know, in the recent months, we've seen several states, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Montana, all enacted policies to limit employees' ability to pre-screen applicants for past marijuana use. And what I find interesting in all of this is that, you know, 
marijuana byproducts and metabolites can be present in your body for up to 100 days since you last used, since you stopped smoking. And the Department of Justice uh, official position is detection of these products only indicate that a particular substance is present in a subject's body tissue. It does not indicate abuse or addiction, recency, frequency, or the amount of use or impairment. I'm glad that the, the Department of Justice at least has that common sense stance on it is that just shows that you used it. It doesn't show you're an addict. It doesn't show that you, when the last time that you used it. So clearly the federal uh, government has a much higher threshold for proven impairment uh, than, than what we see in some of these other states that we talked about earlier. That kind of reminds me of the, the whole marijuana uh, card, gun card or whatever. I know, Kano, that you're pro-gun and, you know, uh, I don't know what that means, but you know, you you like guns. Yes, um, I, so- I, I, I'm a firm advocate of the Second Amendment because you never know when Nazis are going to try to take over your country. Yeah. That's- However, you do not use the Second Amendment to uh, protect yourself against the First Amendment if you don't believe in it. Well, I- which is what happened this last week, by the way. We're not going to get too heavily. We, we're not going to relitigate. You know, I am right there with you. We're and not going to go gonna into do what it. I was talking about. Yep. Apparently, you can't get a gun license if you got a medical marijuana card because now that's they asked an unjust question on the application. Well, you can, but you can't. Oh, well, the, the, let me let me talk. Let's talk about the perfect. Let's talk about that in a second. But but I, of, as far as what I'm aware is, they ask an unjust question on the application. You're not allowed to get that license, on if you're addicted to to any controlled substance. So like having a question of whether or not you're a medical marijuana patient on that fucking application, is is wrong because you're not just being a. When I worked in the dispensary in California, I worked with people that had a medical marijuana card and didn't smoke pot, right? And the reason being is because they wanted to work at their fucking aunt's dispensary. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to be a caregiver. Sometimes uh, you need marijuana and you, you just need a vape every now and then. Having a medical marijuana card does not mean you're actually addicted to marijuana. But in a lot of instances, in a lot of states, it's much, much easier to get a gun than it is to get cannabis. Isn't that an isn't that really part of the whole situation here? I mean, it, it really has to do with, with the amount of regulation that they, they put in, into it and how much they don't put into it. And, and really, Gary, I want to hear because I'm kind of like not – like I cut you off earlier, but I'm not really up to date on the whole – like how do you get your fucking gun license if you have a medical marijuana license? The key is in, within the concealed carry license. There is a particular box you have to sign off on asking if you've used any illicit drugs. Well, the fact is, here in the state of Florida, if you are a medical cannabis patient, it is not illicit for you. Kind of along, along the same lines as what we talk about in regards to our medical patient uh, bill, your, your, or your medicine is not illicit if it's not illicit for the, for, the, for the state. That is a situation, and that's kind of the gray area that the folks who are, are getting uh, concealed carry permits have to uh, jabber walkie way their their way through in order to get their their license and in many states they don't even follow up on that but because of the fact that it is controlled by atf and it is a federally illegal product that is is what we have to deal with as far as that's concerned hopefully we'll get that straightened out is there anything any new uh any new ground being covered on that over in dc uh, chris well, you know, um, the the MORE Act, um, you know, in the, the Cannabis uh, Administration Opportunity Act, 
um, both would help clear up a lot of these issues that we have in regards to, you know, gun rights, uh, you know, concealed weapons permits and such, and, and, and you know, uh, use of cannabis by removing cannabis entirely from the Control Substances Act. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is, is interesting in all of this is, is the fact, um, you know, that your concealed weapons permit, right? Uh, that's, that's something that you have to take a look at. I mean, here, if you're looking at the screen now, I'm showing you the, the pre-questionnaire uh, that the Florida Department of Agriculture puts out. And this issue that Carlos is talking about, you know, is right here. Uh, line 25, are you an unlawful user or addicted to any controlled substance as defined in the Controlled Substances Act? So, you know, an unlawful user, well, if you're a medical marijuana patient, no, you're not an unlawful user. Um, but under federal law, you're using a controlled substance. So you are. So this is the catch-22 here is that, by are is is it possible as a patient to answer this honestly with the current issue in federal law are you technically an unlawful user or are you not an unlawful user under federal law you're an unlawful user of a controlled schedule one substance <coughs> under state law you're not so you know you got to fill out this form uh by what feels right to you and and you know take it from there you guys realize like this entire show if they just legalized marijuana, we'd have like no issues. Oh, I assure you, we'd have issues. I'm just saying, like, if they legalized marijuana and had no regulation behind it, I'm, I'm get back to the no regulation. But like, if it was like fucking tomatoes, man. Oh, like the purge, you mean? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying, right? All of a bunch of issues that we've gone through. It's fucking federally illegal, and you have issues getting a gun. Um, fucking Delta Eight. Fucking you know hemp. The whole hemp industry would be done. Would be done. I would love for the hemp industry to be done. Legalized. I I I am fucking head of a hemp company. I would love for the hemp industry to be done if they just legalized marijuana. You know, all all of these issues would just be over. Even though the, the, they're trying to federally legalize cannabis at the, at the federal level right now, will still create state problems because right now it does allow the states to create their own laws. Yeah, I mean we're we're always going to have problems and shit, but I mean you know. But we will have that at huge least the problems block. we have now. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have the huge stumbling block of the federal illegality taken away, and that'll make things a lot easier in regards to state laws are concerned because a lot of them are, are really based on the fact that cannabis is still federally illegal and so therefore state things may not be or may not be preempted by that i mean gary it comes in, every, in regards to tax law and things of that sort every civil rights issue in this country has always had the same conundrum to where yes if we address this federally and in these this issue of discrimination we're going to have tons of other states that are going to create problems i mean federal government finally outlawed slavery and then you had all these states make all these jim crow laws right uh, you know, we, we, we finally passed the Civil Rights Act, and then you have all these states make it harder for people to vote. Um, so th there are definitely, with every civil rights issue in this country we've seen in the 20th century, that every time we, we tackle the big problem, there is going to be a million to one other ones that pop up at the state level. But it's the, that, that one big problem we got to remove first, you know, to move forward. Mm. And, and there's always at least know. one. 
Well, know. I think it starts it, it, importantly with the people at the top. So, you know, I've caught a lot of flack, um, you know, over the fact that I, I'm a diehard liberal. Some people call me communist. Some people call me socialist. Look, I just think that my tax dollars should go to helping out poor people before it goes to helping out rich people. I mean, if that makes me a socialist and a communist, then, you know, let's drag me out in the streets, which again is why I support my Second Amendment rights. What? You're not going to drag me out without a fight. Why but, do you want to help people, Kenna? Why do I want to help people? Yeah. I, I cannot abide human suffering knowing that there is so much abundance all around us. And, you know, Carlos, I, I don't necessarily think you should get a Nobel Peace Prize, but, you know, sainthood, even for being an atheist, is worth it, you know, because oh. I, I, I see oh. how you interact in, in, with, with the homeless in Ybor City. I see how you are willing to give, you know, a, a, a black and mild or, or or just a cigarette to someone who needs it to get through the day or even a pre-roll. You know, um, you're willing to buy someone a meal. And, and those little things show that even someone like yourself, who is not a rich man, but you do have an abundance that other people don't. And you're willing to do that little bit to make other people's lives easier. And then I look at a government like ours that can spend tens of trillions of dollars bombing people in other countries. And all I'm asking for is that people in this country not have to go bankrupt because they have to make a choice between paying their student loans, paying the rent and paying their medical bills. Now, if that's something that people want to string me up as a communist for, then, then, then God damn, what, what type of, what happened to freedom? What happened to common sense? And See, so I, I'm going to take the time right now to criticize our president. You know, so many people are running around here saying, let's go, Brandon. And it's like, no, just say, fuck Joe Biden. OK, because Joe Biden on the campaign trail made a promise that he would expunge marijuana records. And Carlos, there's a graphic that I sent you uh, from National Norm. I wanted you to post that graphic up there along with with this uh, with this link. Instead of pardoning turkeys this Thanksgiving, why don't you pardon the thousands of Americans with marijuana convictions like you promised? So, Joe, if you don't want the rest of America and you don't want normal to join the Let's Go Brandon squad, if you don't want us to be fuck Joe Biden, then do right by the people and expunge those marijuana convictions like you promised. And I think he was going under the belief that those people who utilize this product tend to have memory lapses. Uh, we, we do have issues in regards to expanding time, but we do remember everything that was said prior to that time. <laughs> For the most part, those of us who don't have uh, ongoing issues. Look, uh, the president might forget what he had for breakfast, but we're not going to forget the promises that he made us. And the, the fact for his is, breakfast, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't exactly have the the best record here. Doesn't Jenny put down some? I don't know. I'm not the most political guy, but like, I fucking didn't he like write some laws that fucking made harsh penalties for drug use the 94 one point crime bill yeah the yeah. the the, the uh, you know the um, all these mandatory minimums that we see in many cases yeah, you know I've, Joe I've, Biden was the architect behind that when he was in the Senate and that was because at that time in his career as a senator you know he, that's where he was getting his bread buttered was from the prison industrial complex yeah. If you look at the prison industrial complex's share of private prisons from the 90s 
to now in the last 30 years, it has skyrocketed. It has become a wealth. As a matter of fact, uh, I read the other day, I think it was New Mexico or Arizona, they were threatening to shut down a private prison if cops don't put more people in jail to, to keep the numbers up, in which case some small town was going to lose its main employer. I mean, that's crazy that you have businesses that thrive on incarcerating people and they're holding small towns hostage uh, uh, as a workforce if you don't lock more people up and put more people in jail. And and not to mention, I mean, I don't know how, how much influence the vice president has over over our law enforcement, um, but I mean, that his administration was one of the worst times for raids in the cannabis industry. The cannabis industry was heavily targeted by the federal government and raided several dispensaries in several states. Well, this is why I, I'm a diehard independent. Where I know, now, Chris, you're a diehard Democrat, but you are still more than willing to go ahead and criticize your own party, which is good because when you start getting into this cult-like atmosphere where you can't, you you cannot knock down your own party, you can't talk about them in a negative way because somebody might look at you differently. Uh, is is just wrong. You have to be able to be open to criticize anybody and everybody. And that is yeah. why I'm an independent, to be honest with you. Well, it's funny you should say that, Gary. Senator Janet Cruz pulled me to the side one time at a big Democratic gala and was like, Chris, if you just stop calling people out, you move up faster. <laughs> <laughs> you, you move up where? It, well, my, my point is this. It, it, it's a small knit club. I'm not in it. I don't have any familiar relations into the political establishment. I don't have a checkbook to write to these folks. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't have any choice but to call out corruption as I see it because I'm a regular citizen just like the rest of you all. And I see these politicians making sure their family members and their buddies all get contracts to open up restaurants, to, 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 to you know have political consulting uh, uh, fees and such. I mean, look, we have one of the most corrupt uh, uh, governments in, in the South, in Florida, and, and in Tampa, one of the most corrupt police departments. And we have a mayor who, you know, her first uh, time as, as chief, I met her and I asked her a question, what are you going to do to clean up the department? And her response to me was, I have no bad cops, even though the TPD DUI unit has been investigated time and time again as one of the top uh, corrupt police units in the entire country. So, I mean, you know, it, it, the, the statistics speak for themselves in many cases. We as citizens have a duty to call out corruption and call out things that are wrong where we see it. And it doesn't matter if it comes from a political party we're affiliated with or one that we're not. But the fact is, is wrong is wrong. And a violation of civil rights is exactly that. I mean, TPD has botched raids by trusting crackhead informants saying guys are moving weight and they find a couple of dime bags in a guy's house and he dies and loses his life in a squat raid over it. So, I mean, you know, uh, we saw in Miami where uh, uh, the Miami PD got the wrong house on a search warrant and they threw a flashbang in a baby's cr uh, crib and that baby's permanently scarred. I mean, these are the type of things we hear every day. And, and so, you know, earlier, Gary, we, we, we try to avoid getting into the back and forth of, you know, this this past week's you know litigation and all the trials. But the fact is, is that police corruption, political corruption and the criminal justice system are all interconnected. And cannabis is the one policy that could chip away at that corruption if we just took it off the Controlled Substances Act, if we legalized it, if we made an open market. It could actually begin to heal some of the division in this country, and it can heal some of the distrust that people have with their government, because this is one of the most absurd policies. People have been fighting over critical race theory 
all summer and all winter at their school board meetings and such. And there is it actually exists in the elementary school. There is no more evident issue of critical race theory than to look at cannabis prohibition in this country and to see how the how from J. Edgar Hoover and Harry Anslinger all the way to the modern era, that this has been something to target civil rights leaders, to target the black community, to target the, the, the anti-war left, and to target poor people. Because I've never seen a job that pays six figures that requires you to take a drug test. Yeah, that is... That is an issue we have to deal with. And but you got to take a drug test for a $30,000 a year job at Walmart. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and we also have to deal with the fact, and again, I, I mentioned the fact that it, 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 in order to have a, a, a law that's enforceable, you have to, it has to be almost to a binary level because when you put discretion into the mix with a, a policeman as to whether or not somebody should be arrested or not, it's amazing how internal biases get in the way. That is one of the reasons why uh, people of color have been disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, and that is because of officer discretion. Mm -hmm. or, or if you see a white kid from Gross Point, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going back to the, my Detroit days, who's, who's dealing the dime bags on the corner, he gets uh, sent back to his parents with a slap on the wrist. Or if it was a black kid doing that, he's going to see the next 25 years like, you know, like white boy, white, white boy Rick did. Uh, though he was actually uh, working with a a, a much darker crowd, so to speak, which is the reason why he got arrested. Though, by the way, he's getting into the industry now, which is kind of nice. But the fact is, discretion is an issue that we have to deal with. And given the opportunity to have discretion, you're going to have the opportunity for racial bias, class bias, and things of that sort coming from the police themselves. So why ever trust a cop not to be racist? Uh, well, you can, because some of them aren't. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, well, but the question is, this, you don't get your, you don't well, get to choose which person shows up. I mean, this, you know? this well, no, Gary, that goes back to don't something. really show in that favor, Gary. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carlos, what you just said is 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 important because that goes back to something I, I'm reminded Muhammad Ali once said. Muhammad Ali said, "There's a hundred snakes coming at me, and they are, and, and and you're telling me that ten of them snakes don't want to bite me, and I should care about those ten snakes. But what about the other ninety snakes that are coming coming for me?" Mm -hmm. and, and 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 that's that's really sums up carlos to what your point you just made is is like yeah how how can you trust cops to not be racist when every day we can log on to our facebook and instagram feeds and see videos and examples of that happening across the country and the and the fix for that is a lot simpler than you than you think it's not a matter of figuring out which which 10 goddamn snakes are on the goddamn plane what it comes down to is whether or not you have a law which really has those levels of discretion, those levels of gray in there. Take those levels out and you, and you have a better law. Make it fully legal and they can't call it illegal. That's plain and simple. That's what it comes down to. And that's where we're standing right now. And I and mean, that's what Gary, you forward. just sum, summed it all up and, and I'll, I will end us with this. Corrupt politicians, racist cops, in the grand scheme of all this, I am sick of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation. 
and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.